Good morning, Eureka Bible Church. I have to be honest that this is the most heavy my heart has ever been entering a pulpit. Um, you know, we've already spoken this morning of, of what we have gone through in the last few days, and I echo the, the hurt in my heart for the Terhune family and the things that they're going through. Um, I think I want to echo as well that I believe that the, uh, I've always believed in my life that the Lord goes ahead of us in things, and I've recognized very clearly more than I have in a really long time with the songs that we're singing this morning, with the passage of scripture the Lord laid on my heart months ago before any of this happened, how the Lord goes ahead of us. He knows what we need in these times. And so if you would oblige me with, I'd like to go to prayer um, just to open up the sermon this morning. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I, I thank you for the opportunity to gather with my brothers and sisters in Christ. This year has shown us the importance of of fellowship with one another and, and how much we miss it when we don't have the opportunity to have it. But I believe more so on this morning, we needed to have fellowship with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, to worship, to grieve together. And so Lord, I pray that you will help us, um, help our hurting hearts, help us to come together as a unified body, as a church, and, and um, just encourage each other and just pray with one another, Lord. And I, I just want to lift up the Terhune family to you today. Uh, Lord, we don't always have the right words and know the right things to say, Lord. I, I can't even imagine being in that type of position this morning, but I know that you know their needs. You know what Emma and those boys need and the rest of the family. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll provide for their physical, their spiritual, their emotional needs today. And Lord, I pray that you will give us sacrificial giving hearts as a church as we already seen but i just pray that we will continue to do so in the months years ahead to help that family and lord i pray that you will be with us this morning as we open up your word as we think and ponder on the idea of prayer and specifically pray for praying for one another intercessory prayer lord and we've had a lot of that this week lord i've seen it everywhere in our church and i am just so thankful to be a part of a church that believes in the power of prayer and so, Lord, I pray that you will be with us, that you will help us to really engage in, in what it is that you want to tell us this morning. Lord, allow me to step aside and allow your word to go forward. Lord, we're, we are thankful for your grace and mercy, Lord, and we need more of it today. So, Lord, give it to us, Lord, and allow us to, to really dig in deep to your word. We pray this in your great and gracious name. Amen. I want you to imagine this morning that you are living in 7th century Babylon. I want you to imagine that you are a, a Jewish man or woman that has been taken up into the captivity of the Babylonians as a Jewish man or woman. I want you, you could imagine maybe that you're in the shoes of the prophet Daniel, or you can imagine that you're one of his friends and you're closely watching what is happening in that story. I want to give you a couple of glimpses into the life of Daniel that leads up to what we're going to be talking about this morning. Starting in the first story that you would see a glimpse of is Daniel as a young man um, giving leadership and having the opportunity to be um, working with the people of Babylon. And in the story there, they are given many food and good exercise to, to build them up so they can be in leadership in the, within the people of Babylon. Even the Jewish people are being allowed to do that. But they are offered food that is offer, is gonna be, would be offered to idols. And this is how Daniel responds in Daniel chapter 1, 
starting in verse 8. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And we see in that, that quick glimpse of Daniel here as a young man, his unflinching faithfulness, his willingness to stand up even for the sake of his own life in order to not defile himself with the food made for idols. And then we move into, if you were to look in, in another glimpse of his life a little bit later on in Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 4, he is called on to do what nobody else could do at, the, at that point, which was to look at the King Nebuchadnezzar's dreams and be able to interpret what they mean. And in Daniel chapter 2, verse 17 through 19, we get another glimpse into the life of Daniel. Verse 17 of chapter 2, Then Daniel went into his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. And this is what they told, he told them, And told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in the sight of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So in this, this glimpse of Daniel, again, we see his faithfulness, his willingness to praise God, but we will also see that he was a man of prayer. We see that often in the life of Daniel, but here's a glimpse of Daniel's prayer life, that he knew this was a, a, an important moment, and he, if he was going to be able to interpret this dream, what did he need to do? He needed to get on his hands and knees before God. Daniel chapter 3 is the story of his three friends that he just mentioned. They had their names changed to the Babylonian names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so they are faced with a challenge of having to bow down to the idols or die in the fiery furnace. And you see, we, we, remember, we remember in verse 16 that it says, they answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. So you just see the depth of the faithfulness to God in Daniel and his friends. And then we went, you go to the handwriting on the wall where he is, again, as an older man now, is faced with the challenge of trying to interpret the handwriting that happens on the wall. And in uh, chapter 5, verse 17, we get another glimpse of Daniel here. It says, Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. Again, great faithfulness, great um, direction from Daniel as he is faced with a, a difficult situation. But we all know the most famous story from Daniel, right? Daniel in the lion's den, chapter 6. We see there um, in verse 4 and 5 um, that Daniel, not only is he a prayer warrior, he is willing to pray even if it costs him his life. In verse 4, then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaining against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. And so you see there, the only way that they could get at Daniel was to go after the things he was doing to follow God. That's the type of integrity and faithfulness. And that's why I've always loved the story of Daniel. I've always loved his life. I know that he sinned. I know he did wrong things, even though it's not really recorded. But we know that he was a faithful man of God. And the thing that he shows me the most is that he was a faithful in prayer. And so after chapter 6 is, the, is kind of the switch in the book of Daniel, where we move from 
the history to the end times prophecy that comes. So in chapter 7, he has the Son of Man prophecy. In chapter 8, he is inter- interprets some of the, a different one that Gabriel gives him. And so in chapter 7 and 8, you see that. And then all of a sudden in chapter 9, where we're going to be this morning, we come to this prayer. It seems like maybe it's a little bit out of place, and, and if we don't know the history and the background of it, maybe it does feel a little bit out of place that Daniel just kind of throws this chapter of a prayer in the middle of this prophecy that he's being given. But we will see this morning that it is a powerful testimony to who Daniel is, to why we see what happens in Daniel chapter 9. And what, ha- what we can be challenged by this morning is, is that God, if we are to be faithful to him, we are called to pray. And not just pray, but pray for other people. We call that intercessory prayer. And that's what we're going to d- d- discuss this morning. So Daniel chapter 9, if you would have your Bibles there, that's where we're going to be for the remainder of this morning. So Daniel chapter 9. If you would read along with me, we're going to begin in verse 1. We're going to go verse, through verse 3 here at the beginning. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Azarias, by a descent a Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of the years that, according to the word of the Lord, to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleased for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And so we see here, the history behind this is, okay, so we've walked through kind of a little bit of the history of Daniel earlier. So Daniel 5 and 6, so the handwriting on the wall, the lion's den, we're right in between there. Daniel 5 and Daniel 6, that's where, where you're going to find where we're reading in this Daniel chapter 9. And what's happening is, is that Daniel has just been given the prophecy at the end of chapter 8. And what, is he, what does he see in there? He, re, he perceives that according to the word of Lord, Jeremiah the prophet, that the time of the 70 years is coming close to an end. So he understands that this time of captivity, this time of struggle and pain and suffering for the people of Israel, is, according to the prophecy, is coming to an end. So if you were to read in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 10 through 14, that's where you would see this. Now, we, we know Jeremiah 29, 11 really well, right? That's a very well-known verse. He knows the plans for you. You know that verse? So that we, we know that verse really well. But that's within the context that the prophecy is being made by Jeremiah that there's going to be a 70 years where they're going through this captivity, they're going through this struggle. But now he knows that time is coming to an end. And so it could be interesting to think, when you know that that's coming, you know that's going to happen, what would be your response? And Daniel's response is to humbly go before the throne of God and pray. He does what he has done in his life and has been the pattern of his life and the pattern of what we've seen in the story of Daniel. He goes before the Lord. And I want you to recognize that, um, that he is not just going before the Lord. He is coming in a way that is humble. He's going in a way that is anticipating the words the, the, that the Lord would receive the words that he is praying. Because you see here in verse 3, then I turn my face to the Lord God. I always think about how Paul David Tripp refers to so much in life, we think of everything vertically, right? We think about the here and now, what's happening, what's going on in our life, what's happening today. We think so much in just the vertical, and we forget so much about the horizontal. When our life as Christians should always be pointing ourselves towards the horizontal, to trust and believe in God. And that's the first thing Daniel does when he goes to prayer here. 
He humbles himself by turning his face to the Lord. He goes horizontal with, him, with his face. And so it says he seeks him by prayer and pleas of mercy. So these aren't just basic prayers. You know, we, we say prayers daily. We, I, I do prayers in my devotions. I do it with my kids. I do it with, with Alicia. But this, this is, this is deep-seated prayer of, of pleas and mercy because he knows what is coming. The prophecy has told him what is coming. So he is going before the Lord with, with deep-seated prayers and pleas to God. Now, one of the things I think you want to be clear here, and we're going to see this in the content, is that we don't go to the Lord demanding anything. He is not like a genie where we can rub a lamp and then we can get three wishes and we get up whatever we want. We cannot go to the Lord in, in prayer in that way. And we, can all, we can't go to prayer with entitlement either, that we expect that he's going to give us exactly what we say when we want it. Because God is above us. He knows more, and he, doesn't, he understands more than we do about our own selves. And so God often is, we cannot go to God with demand or any kind of unhealthy entitlement. So he comes with, with pleas and deep-seated prayer and also with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And you'll see all throughout Scripture, you see that when you see that fasting, that sackcloth and ashes, that means that there is a deep humbling before God. You'll see that in, in stories um, like Jonah and the people, the Ninevites in chapter 3 of Jonah, they, they go to fasting and sackcloth and ashes in their repentance to God. You see that in, with Ezra um, when, they, when the people are coming back to their land. Um, you see that with Esther that they go to, fa the, to fasting sackcloth and ashes before she goes to talk to the king. And so this, this is a representation of the fact that Daniel is wanting to go before God and ask deep-seated prayers and, and is just really trying to get at that he, he trusts God and he wants to go before him and ask for these things that the people of Israel need. So it's important for us to see this morning that a lot of times in our prayer lives, we can be a bit selfish. We can, we can think that we need to pray for things for ourselves. And it's not bad. If we have needs, if we have things we want to pray about, it's good to pray for ourselves and the things of our family and things that we need. But we often neglect the intercessory prayer part of it, that we are interceding, that we are praying for other people. The former pastor of Grace Perez here in Peoria, Brian Chapel, says this, the individualistic spirit of our age trains us to think that we are responsible only for ourselves. But such an exclusive self-focus is not what Christ demonstrated and is not what characterizes those who reflect his grace. God desires for us to have a relationship with him, and part of that is, is praying. Praying for the things that we need, but a lot of times it's, he desires for us to pray outside of ourselves. Our prayer life is one of the best ways we can grow in that deeper relationship with God. And we should be compelled this morning by the fact that we need to pray for others. Because it's in, it's in obedience to God's commands. It's in obedience to God's word. That's the examples that we see. I think it's a major way that we can fulfill the carrying of each other's burdens that we talk about, that Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. He talks about carrying each other's burdens, and one of the ways we can do that is through intercessory prayer. We can also be compelled by praying for those that maybe we would consider our enemies or people that we have problems with, that we should be compelled to pray for people like that. Because in, you think of, of Job and the way his friends treated him, but at the end of Job, in the last chapter, he is praying prayers for 
reconciliation, prayers for those people that had treated him so poorly. So God calls us to be compelled to pray even for those that are, we consider our enemies that are those that we have problems with. And I would say this week that we would have no more compelling reason that, to pray for other people. We have been thrust into a tragedy that has allowed for us to be able to intercede for, for e each other, but also specifically for a family that is hurting really badly. And the Lord calls us to pray because we can't all help in every single way, but one of the things that all of us can do is pray. And I have to tell you that I am so encouraged about being in this church at a time like this. I've seen it in the years that we've been here with our own family, the own things we went through, but this week I have never more been encouraged by what I've seen in this church. The prayer meetings that have sprung up, the worship times, the, the, the willing to sacrificially give of money, of time, meals, things that I, I've just been so encouraged. But the most thing I've been encouraged by is the prayer. There's been so much interceding going on this past week. And I say keep doing it. With this situation with the Terhunes, but also going forward, be willing to be compelled to pray for one another because that's what the scripture calls us to do. We need to pray for one another. And Daniel is a great reminder to us this morning that that's what we need to do. In all situations, we need to pray for, for the, our needs, but also pray for the needs of others regularly. So let's talk a little bit about the content of, of interceding on one, on one another's behalf. Let's start reading in verse 4. So you'd follow along with me in Daniel chapter 9, verse 4. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame. As, this, as at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath we are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words because he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing us great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like that has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept the calamity and brought, us, brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, is that this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. So we see here that Daniel gives us examples of the type of way we should approach and also the content of how we approach um, the type of intercessory prayer that we would think about as Christians. 
And so he begins by worshiping God. And I think that that is an important reminder to all of us that when we go to prayer, even on behalf of other people, we start by worshiping God, that we don't let go of understanding that we need to worship him. We, he is worthy of our honor. And so we need to go and worship. You see that in here at the beginning of the passage. O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. You see there, just so much packed into that one verse in verse four that he's saying how great and awesome God he is, who keeps his covenant. He's a covenant-keeping God. He keeps his promises. He has that steadfast love for those who love him. And so it's, it's clear to me this morning that we must begin our prayer with worship. And I, as an example to you, I think the thing that we need to be reminded about, one of the th- ways that I've always learned that's good for me to be able to worship as I begin my prayer, even intercessory prayer, is that praying scripture. I've been taught that for many years, even growing up as a kid, the importance of praying through scripture. Um, I read a book by Donald Whitney called Praying the Psalms, which is a really good book that helps you to use the Psalms to be able to use for your prayer life. And I've, I've really grown in my faith and my walk with God because of using scripture in my prayer. And so I would really encourage you, um, as, you're, as you want to strengthen your prayer life, go to the scriptures to lead you and to guide you as you pray. And so the beginning part is worshiping. And then you see confession. You know, he's, what he's doing here is, is Daniel is not praying necessarily just for himself, right? He's doing intercessory prayer. So he's praying on the behalf of the Israelites. The Israelites who are in captivity, not because they're just in captivity, right? They're in captivity because they have not followed the covenant, what God had made with them. That they have broken it time and time again. And so they are put into captivity. And so this is something that's happening, not because that it's just happening. It's happening because God is putting there because of their sin. And so he clearly confesses their wrongdoing. And I want you to see here, he's not just confessing um, by saying, well, my people are doing this. He's saying us and we. He uses that all over and over again, we and us and I, because it's not just about what they're doing. He is putting himself in, the, in their shoes and saying, I am a part of this. I am at fault for this. And that's a good reminder to us when we are praying in confession um, for our own country or our own people that we're a part of, that we do that to, and don't to take ourselves outside of that. Um, and so he, he, he includes himself by using us and we, and so he confess, confesses very specifically here too. If you, if you look closely, he's very specific, right? He says that they've been rebelling against the law. He says that very clearly. We've not keep, kept the commandments. We have sinned and done wrong, acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from the commandments and rules. So he's, he's saying clearly, we have broken the commandments of God. So he's confessing that clearly. He's also confessing that they did not listen to the warning of the prophets, right? God sent prophet after prophet to them to tell them, well, I'm giving you a warning here. You need to stop sinning. You need to stop breaking the commandments or this and this and this is going to happen. And so he's, t- he's clearly saying, we have not listened to the warning of the prophets. And they also have not accepted the judgment of God. You see that written through all through this part is that they've transgressed law, turned aside and refusing to obey your voice and they're refusing to accept the punishment that they've been given because they're not changing. They're still living in sin. They're still not following the commandments of God. And so he, they're, they're obviously not accepting God's judgment. And so one of the things that is hard for us sometimes when we're intercessing on the behalf of a group of people like our church or people of um, like 
our America, our country that we live in today, sometimes the hard thing can be is to know the right words to say, the, the things to, to, come, to come to God to, pre, to pre, present to him. It's hard sometimes to know what to say in those type of things. But I, I believe that we need to include ourselves and we need to recognize where there are problems in our country, where there are problems in our church, where there's problems in our family that we need to pray for, things that we need to deal with. So I think it's important for us that we are very specific when we come in intercessory prayer and, and prayer on our own. We need to be specific as we're talking to God as we confess. And then we move into the idea of his pleading because now he has worshiped God, he has confessed the sins of the people, but now he wants to, to ask God for something specific or things specifically. So look at verse 16 of Daniel chapter 9. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and the pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and, and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the seed that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. And we see this deep humility and reverence for God's grace and mercy to return for God's people. He desires for when that 70 years is up that God would return favor and grace and mercy to the people of Israel, that they would be able to have their land restored, that they would have their name restored. But it wasn't about their name, right? What does he say? It's about his name for his own sake, his name. And so he reminds us this morning about God's love and his, his promise that he gave to the people of Israel. He promised them that he would make them his people, that he would follow through with his promises and his covenant. And so he's pleading with God, please follow through with what you said you would do. And he, un he approaches God's throne understanding this is not about him. This is not about the people of Israel, but this is about the name of God. And so he comes at it and approaches it in the right way. And that is the way that we need to remember to approach prayer, that we need to approach prayer understanding it's about God and his name and his glory and not about ours. So in all situations, whatever we're praying for ourselves or we're praying in intercession, we need to remind ourselves that it's about God's glory and not ours. And one of the things that I think um, that Dusty said earlier when he was um, talking and, and praying is that I, I just, it just struck me about how sometimes when we pray, we don't know the right words to say. And I, I'm pretty sure that every, almost everyone in this, in this room this, had that happen at some point this week where we didn't even know the words to say. We didn't even know what kind of content. How do we pray and in interceding in this type of situation? But I want you to be reminded of what the passage he brought up, Romans chapter 8, that God knows our hearts and he will speak on our, that Jesus, the Holy Spirit and Jesus will speak on our behalf, Right? That he will go and give his, he knows the words, he knows our groanings, he knows how we're feeling. And so even as we go forward in any situation, but specifically right now, if you don't have the words to pray, remind yourself that God is there with you. He knows your heart, he knows how you're feeling. 
and he can present to God the Father, the, Jesus and the Holy Spirit will present to the, God the Father the things that are on your heart, the things that you're struggling with and you're dealing with. So don't, don't forget that, that sometimes we just don't know the things to say. Daniel reminds us this morning to approach God's throne with reverence and worship. He also reminds us that we need to confess, and sometimes we need to pray on behalf of the people that we are a part of. Uh, this is not a political sermon this morning, but I just want to clearly say we are, in an, an, we are two weeks away from election. We are in a, in a hotbed time with, with, in our country with uh, po- political things. And so uh, I say one of the things that we need to do is we need to get on our hands and knees and we need to pray for our country. We need to pray for our political leaders. We need to pray for those that are good candidates. We need to pray that the Lord does what he wants to do and his will will be done. And that we as Christians can be distinct in the way that we respond and handle these things. So I just ask that we think about right now as a country how we can pray for our country. And we need to intercede on behalf of our country. So we've seen um, the compelling reasons why we should intercede on behalf of others. And we've seen the content. But I think it's also important for us to anticipate God's response. Can you put that, do you have that quote to put up on the screen? I want you to just take a look at this quote from Corey Ten Boom. We never know how God will answer our prayers, but we can expect that he will get us involved in his plan for the answer. If we are true intercessors, we must be ready to take part in God's work on behalf of the people for whom we pray. And I just, man, that is, I, I really think that is a powerful quote. Just a reminder to us today that God desires for us first to, to go before. He, he wants us to intercede on behalf of others. He wants us to pray deeply and plead on behalf of other people. But he also wants us to trust in his plan for those people and anticipate the responses he's going to give us. Again, we do not demand. We are not entitled in any way. But we anticipate that God is going to answer our prayers. Now, this past week was hard, right? Because we started by praying for a miracle. We desired for a miracle to happen, but that did not happen. And so now we are praying an in intercession for Emma and the boys and the family that they would be able to, to have the grace and mercy that only God can give. And so it's hard for us to say, anticipate God's response when we don't get the response that we want, we desire. Because I desired with all my heart that there a miracle would have been done in that situation. But we know that we as Christians will not grieve and mourn with those without hope. That we know that God has a plan. And we don't know what it is and it's hard to accept. But we trust and hope that God has a plan. And he knows what's happening here. And we do need to anticipate when we pray for others, that this will happen. And so we, yes, the miracle didn't happen in Aaron's life, but, and we know that we can pray for that family, that God's going to work through Aaron and those kids, and that's going to be for the best for God's plans. And I, I, it's hard to say that, but I really want us to understand that this morning, that God is working in that situation, even sometimes it doesn't feel like he is. But we must strive to be as believers in Jesus, that we anticipate the work of the Lord as we pray for others. So verses 20 through 23, we see Daniel speaking to this. 
Let's read along in Daniel chapter 9, verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I have seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me to understand, speaking with me and saying, O oh Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. So we see here that the approach to the word of God, to the, to the, the prayer here, the confession, the worship, and presenting of his pleas of anticipation but we see that he is, he, he is, he is just, anti he knows that there's going to be an answer. And, and that happens, right? That an answer is given to him immediately. Gabriel comes and shows him the vision and tells him also that he is greatly loved. And is, it's just a powerful reminder to us this morning that we need to pray anticipating that God is going to respond to us. We see it all over scripture. There's so many times where we see prayers being answered where people are praying deep-seated prayers and pleading to God, and God answers their prayers. It's not always in the way that they would expect it or the timing that they would expect it, but God knows what's best, and that's what we have to trust this morning, that God knows what's best for you. He knows best for those who you are praying on behalf of. And how wonderful is it to see the integrity shown by Daniel through all of what we've read today and even through this prayer? that he is being rewarded with being greatly loved by God, that he is given that statement, that I, I would desire someday when I am face-to-face -face with the Lord Jesus that I would be, I, we, we know the scriptures tell us that we're greatly loved, but to have that said in a passage like this is just so powerful, that he is greatly loved because of his faithfulness and the way that he has presented this prayer to him in pleading and accepting God's will for them. We may not see the rewards in this life, but we will see in eternity, reward, rewards for the faithfulness that, is, that Daniel is being shown here. And so if we were to go on in this passage, you would see the, the vision of the 70 weeks that's been given. We don't have time to discuss that today. But I, I think that as just, to, just to share that there is a, a, a vision given to Daniel and many more visions given to Daniel that are a reminder of the fact that God has everything in control that God has a plan. And even sometimes when we're interceding on behalf, we don't know what God's going to do, but we know that God has what's best interest for all these situations. He knows what's happening. He's going to bring these things for, to fruition. So we firmly believe in God's sovereignty over all things, including salvation. According to God's word, we have seen Daniel, with Daniel this morning especially, we are to approach God's throne with humility, with confidence, and looking for an anticipation for God that God's going to answer in his timing, in his way. And we need to accept that. We have a great example of a man this morning with great integrity and faithfulness. And a man after God's own heart. That's, that's, uh, that's what they call David. But I see Daniel being very much that way too. And one of the ways we see that is that Daniel is a prayer warrior. He prayed for the things that he was going through, but he also prayed on the behalf of others as he does this morning. My prayer for all of us this morning is that we will be able to have a heart to not only help people's physical needs, but we go to the throne of God 
to pray for one another. And especially right now, we need that. Our deepest need as believers in Jesus Christ is to go before his throne often and build that relationship with him, but also intercede for others. We've had, there's so many different ways we could go about thinking about how we could intercede. But I've already mentioned, I believe that we really need to pray for our country as we come into this election season. I think there's a lot that we need to pray for. I also believe that we need to pray for the, the tough spiritual issues that are going on in our own lives in the lives of the people in our church and around us, there, there's so many things that we can pray for. Are you having struggles with your marriage? Pray with your wife. Pray with your wife and for your wife and do those things together. Are you struggling with spiritual and physical and things going on with your kids, with school being different and things happening? Pray for your kids and pray with your kids. And especially today, we have been thrust into praying for a family that is deeply hurting. Let us continue for months and years from now to continue to pray for them. Let's not let go of that. And let's be transparent with one another. Let's get away from the Midwest niceties and let's be open and vulnerable and transparent with how we're feeling and what we're dealing with so that we can intercede and pray for one another. Because we need to have people that are praying for us, and we need to pray for one another. And so today, Eureka Bible Church, let us be people that are known. Let's be a church that is known and continually known for the fact that we intercede for one another, and we intercede for those that are around us. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I'm thankful for the opportunity to Just approach your throne now, Lord. It's just, it has been a hard week for us as a church. But Lord, we trust as we come before your throne that you are working, even in a situation where we just can't understand and we just can't imagine, we don't know why this has happened. But Lord, we know that you work all things for those that are called according to your name. We know that you are loving us and you care and your grace and mercy is, is upon us. So Lord, just be with our church as, you, as we continue to work through this. Uh, but I, I want to intercede on behalf of the Terhune family again. Lord, I just pray that you will um, just work in Emma's heart right now. Lord, I, she, I know she's hurting and she has lots of questions and she doesn't understand. But Lord, I pray that you will uh, show your face to her more than ever love her, care for her, and and surround her with people in her family and her church family that will be able to speak truths into her life, even when on the deepest and hardest days, darkest days. Just speak truth to her, Lord. Be with those boys as they grow up without their father. Uh, Lord, just continue to love them, care for them, and Lord, help us as a church to do whatever we can to, to really help those boys. And uh, just pray for the rest of that family that, are, that is grieving, hurting, mother and father and brothers and sisters, nieces, nephews, all the family. Lord, I just pray that you'll be with them. And as the, as the funeral comes on Tuesday, Lord, I pray that, um, that you will be with us as we, as we mourn together, Lord. And I just pray that you'll just continue to be with the Terrahune family going forward. Lord, I pray that we will be a church and individuals in this room that are known for their interceding, that they pray for one another. 
And Lord, I just pray that we will be transparent and open, that we share our, our hurts, our struggles, but also our, our praises and things that are going well in our lives so that we can pray for one another in a deep manner. And Lord, I, I just pray that you will help us to take Daniel's examples of, of compelling reasons and, and content. And even when we can't, we don't know what to pray, Lord, I pray that your spirit will, will speak from our hearts so that, Lord, we know that it's, there's going to be days ahead where we're not going to even have the words to say, but Lord, we trust in you that you will lead us. And so, Lord, I just pray that you will, as we go from here, Lord, that we will not um, just let what was said go in one ear and out the other, but Lord, we will put this deeply into our hearts and that we will desire to be men and women of God that are faithful and have integrity, but mostly that we are men and women of prayer and prayer on behalf of others. Lord, I am so thankful to be a part of this church family. Help us to be unified in these days and help us to, to continue to intercede. Thank you, Lord, we, we are just grateful for who you are and what you've done for us. And first and foremost, we are thankful for your gospel, that you're, God the Father, that you send your son Jesus to die on the cross so that we could have eternal life. Thank you for that. Lord, just thank you for the, this morning, and I pray that we will take these things and we put them into our hearts and that we will follow what your word has challenged us with this morning. We pray all this in your great and gracious name. Amen.